river devil eats those who are weak, the woman of Nuburu warns. This creature sits south of town, blocking Link's path to southeastern Hyrule. It looks like a spider. Or perhaps an octopus? This is Legendary Adventures, a Legend of Zelda podcast. I'm Paul Riley. Getting past the River Devil is the first puzzle we need to tackle this week in Zelda 2. While we're warned the River Devil eats people, it actually poses no threat to Link. It's just a blockade, a hard lock that prevents players from exploring further until they have the right item. Similar to the hammer, except the hammer doesn't work here. So how do we advance? A woman from Jerunia tells us, the devil does not like noise. In some ways, this echoes Dig Dogger from the first game, a creature that dislikes noise and Link has just acquired a flute. The flute can be played on the overworld screen at any time with just a press of the B button. Once the flute sounds, the river devil disappears. To the south, we will find considerably more difficult enemies. That includes new lizard men enemies. These are generally referred to as Lizalfos within the Zelda series. Players will encounter a swampland, a forest, a cemetery, and the town of Kasuto. When we get into town and read the sign, we're told that Kasuto is deserted. We'll also take damage from an unseen force. I immediately turned around and left. To the west of Kasuto is the Valley of Death, which based on its name alone we should steer clear of for now. To the east of Kasuto there are three rocks on the beach. This location is known as the Three Eye Rocks. To the north of these rocks in the forest there are two caves. One contains an experience point back. The other leads to the east side of the mountains. I later learned that if I had gone into the very first building in Kasuto, I would have found an old man who tells players to look into the east woods. Once I reached the woods on the east side of the mountain, I needed a walkthrough to tell me what to do next. Turns out we need to use the hammer as an axe to clear the trees. I'm unaware of this ability being mentioned anywhere in the game. I also don't recall it being mentioned in the manual, but uh, hang on. Let me double check. Well, what do you know? The manual does mention that the hammer can be used to clear trees on page 46. This, however, is literally the only place in the game where it's required, and I had forgotten about it. Clearing trees on the northern edge of the forest on the other side of the mountain reveals a town that cannot be entered otherwise. Inside, we find the residents of the deserted Kasudo, who tell us they were forced to relocate. They also tell us that there's one person who knows magic that stayed behind. We also meet an old woman who invites us into her home immediately. Inside we find not an old man, but a magic container. In another house we find a fireplace. If the fireplace is checked, Link will say that he can fit inside. Pressing up will take us to a basement with an old man who teaches us the spell... Spell! Yes, it's just called Spell. The manual refers to the spell spell as eerie. It says that the effects are not fully known, but it will make enemies tremble in fear. I was unable to find any information on how the spell spell got its name. There's a woman who tells us that there's a secret on the edge of town. Traveling all the way to the east in town will find a dead end. I knew here through General Zelda Osmosis various commentaries I'd seen over the years that I needed to cast the spell spell. I don't know how quickly I would have figured this out otherwise, but casting the spell causes a building to appear. Inside we'll find a magic key, which allows us to open any door. 
This key is essential to complete in the next dungeon because there's no keys inside of it. Inside the hidden town of Kasuda, we also find clues for the next dungeon. One woman tells us the hole in the palace is an endless trap. Another man tells us to call for help at the Three Eye Rocks. Returning to the Three Rocks on the beach and standing in the center between them, we play the flute to reveal what I'm going to call the Hidden Palace. This is the name used by some guides. Other guides, including the Legend of Zelda Encyclopedia, published by Dark Horse Comics, refer to it as the Three-Eyed Rock Palace. Visually, this dungeon stands out. It's made from bright purple brick. Those bricks are laid horizontally. Again, this dungeon is notable for not containing any keys. The magic key hidden in town is required to complete it. I would also say the Hidden Palace is not particularly fun. After wandering around inside for a few minutes, I just pulled out a walkthrough and I used it to find my way through. The dungeon item's located on the upper level of the palace, but players need to start by going to the bottom level of the first elevator and then heading right. The path will gradually raise an elevation the further right the player travels. The jump spell is needed to get over a large pit. It's also needed to get over a false floor. I found no mention of this false floor anywhere, and unlike the false wall in the previous dungeon, this just seemed to be the designers trolling the player. After getting over the false floor, we run into the first of two mini-bosses contained within this dungeon. Both are a rematch with the boss of the third dungeon, Revenac. Despite frequently reusing rooms, this is the first time the game has reused a boss. We saw repeated bosses throughout the first game, and we'll see it's a common element throughout the series. This is also the first Zelda 2 dungeon to feature a mini-boss. Mini-bosses were common in the first game, and they're frequently used in later games as well. Beating Revenac allows us to get the dungeon item, the cross. With this, Link can see otherwise invisible enemies. Reaching the boss is particularly tricky. While other bosses could be reached in a relatively straightforward manner, that's not the case here. Players must fall down an endless pit. The pit itself connects four floors, and then loops back to the top. There are platforms suspended on each level of the pit, allowing players to cross it while they're on a particular level. To reach the boss, players have to stop at the third floor and then head east. The fairy spell is needed to fly across a pit of lava. After a second rematch with Rebenak, players must purposely drop down a second pit that links three floors. This pit does not loop, and the second floor features no platforms for the players to use to stop their fall. Instead, players need to quickly turn into a ferry on the second floor and fly down a tunnel to reach the boss. The boss here is a dragon called Barba. It's the most unique boss in this game. The boss arena is four platforms with pits of lava in between. Barba rises in and out of the lava pits and breathes fire at the player. Players must strike the dragon on the head to deal damage. I found the jump spell was essential to defeating this boss. Now of note, the dragon was apparently called Volvagia in the original Japanese version of the game, or at least that's what's implied by the Legend of Zelda Encyclopedia. A passage on the Hidden Palace, which again it calls the Three-Eyed Rock Palace, reads, in some places, Barba is called Volvagia. An entry on Volvagia in the enemy database states, Volvagia is known as Barba in the Adventure of Link. A dragon boss called Volvagia will appear in Ocarina of Time, further strengthening the connection between Zelda II and Ocarina of Time. After placing the last crystal and gaining enough experience to level up, we're ready to tackle the final part of the game. 
That's next week on Legendary Adventures. Please subscribe if you're enjoying the show, and please consider sharing this podcast with another Zelda fan. I'm Paul Riley. Thanks for listening.